This is one of my favorite Sundays because it's Super Bowl Sunday. And we always kind of make it Jersey Day. People wear their, uh, their American football jerseys, their real football jerseys, my England shirts. Yeah, woohoo! Go football. Uh, we had someone in first service who's wearing a rugby jersey, someone's wearing a motocross jersey. So I know we've got a lot of sports fans out there. And maybe you're not into sports at all, but uh, hopefully you still enjoy this morning's service. Take your phone finger with you. You can take that to the next Washington High School football game and wave that up in the stands. So. But tonight, um, we will get to watch two teams play. We'll get to see the Kansas City Chiefs defending their title. They'll be playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on their home field in Super Bowl LV, which if you don't speak Latin, is 55, Super Bowl 55. And as excited as many of us will be watching the game tonight, there will be no one more excited, not even Andy Brown himself, than those players who get to walk out onto the field tonight. All 496 of them, or however many there are, it just feels like there's lots of them come out. For only 11 people being on the field at once, I don't know why there are so many people that stand along the side, but, but those guys tonight will step out onto the field, and for some of them, for the very first time ever, will be playing in a Super Bowl. I wonder if growing up as kids, they were thinking one day, playing flag football at the park, one day I might play in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, who's the quarterback for the Chiefs, he grew up in Texas. So you have to believe that as a kid, he dreamt of one day playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, every kid in Texas dreams of one day playing professional football, let alone playing in the Super Bowl. And now tonight, not only does he get to play uh, in the Super Bowl, he gets to play for a second time in the Super Bowl. I bet Tom Brady, as a kid, he used to imagine, actually, you know what? I don't think he did, because I don't think Tom Brady ever was a kid. I don't think that man is a human being. I think he was created in a lab somewhere. He's like a cyborg or a robot or something, because he is just, I don't know if you've seen this picture I came across this week of Tom Brady. It's like, this was him in 2002. Look, he just gets better and better with every year. It's like Tom Brady 1.0 and Tom Brady now like on the 12th, uh, 12.0. He's just like improving, just scientifically, they're developing him. But there will be kids... And teenagers, like these guys were when they were kids, watching tonight, thinking, wow, wouldn't it be cool if one day I could be out on the field playing in the Super Bowl? And not just athletes watching. Maybe, maybe there's, there'll be some watching tonight who love to sing. And as they watch whoever the celebrity is tonight singing the national anthem, whoever's performing at the halftime show, when they watch those people singing, they think, man, one day I would love to sing in front of millions of people on TV like that. Maybe it's somebody who just wants to be in movies one day. They want to be in TV or movies. They're kind of a funny guy and they're thinking, man, one day that could be me as they watch the commercials tonight. Because for me, I'm the guy that hushes everyone when the commercials come on. I don't mind if you talk during the game, but be quiet when the commercials are on because I love the commercials. And maybe there'll be a kid who'll watch a commercial like this one thinking one day this could be me. Check this out. Did you know that Norway sells way more electric cars per capita than the U.S.? Norway. <laughs> well, I won't stand for it. Come on. Oh, never mind. With GM's new Ultium battery, we're going to crush those losers. Crush them! Let's go, America. Keenan, Norway's out EVing us. Wait, wait what's this? Out. Oh. 
It's my daughter's birthday. She's really a pirate. I don't lately. care. Grab an EV, meet me in Norway. Okay, can I say goodbye to my family? Nope. All right. Ah! <clears throat> Aquafina, sorry to disturb you, but Norway's beating us at EVs. Nuh uh. Uh huh. Nuh uh. Uh huh. Meet me there in an hour. Can I ride with you? No! GM's Ultium battery is made for all types of vehicles, so soon everyone can drive an EV. Oh! Why didn't we all just go together? No one will, he's probably flying private. Hey, Norway, listen up, you fish-loving! Oh, this place is adorable. Where are you guys? We're in Finland, where are you? I'm in Norway! Norway? You're in Sweden! So I hope tonight the commercials don't disappoint. There'll be some uh, funny ones to watch tonight, to talk about at work tomorrow. But um, whether it's an athlete, a singer, or an actor, whatever it is, there will be some people watching tonight thinking, one day, that might be me. There'll be some players playing tonight, some singers singing tonight that have, have performed their dream of one day doing what they're going to get to do. And I think there was a, a writer in the New Testament, the guy who wrote the book of Hebrews, who, who kind of captured this idea of the importance of inspiring the next generation. You see, he wrote this book primarily to a, a Jewish audience to explain to them what it was like to, to follow Jesus in New Testament times. And because they were all Jews, because they were Israelites, he knew that he was able to appeal to their knowledge of their heritage, their wonderful heritage, the, the legacy of those that had come before them. So in his writing, the, the entire chapter of Hebrews 11 is talking about these great men and women of the faith, inspiring them, inspiring the readers to, to one day be like their heroes. I won't read the whole chapter, but here's just a couple of excerpts from chapter 11. Verse 7, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the floods. He obeyed God, who warned him about the things that had never happened before. Verse 11, it was by faith that even Sarah, this is Abraham's wife, was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. Verse 22 is by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. Verse 29, it was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. This entire chapter in Hebrews 11 is just one story after another, one reminder after another of these great men and women of faith who had gone before them. The people listening to this being read would, would be very knowledgeable of these stories. These were the Super Bowl heroes of the faith. These were the people that they'd, they'd grown up thinking, I want to follow on from the example that that person set. And then the writer uses this, this great lineage of, of men and women of faith to then introduce this idea in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, of the responsibility of the reader. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith.
he's kind of portraying this image, isn't he? The, that we're surrounded by these witnesses, these, these men and women who have gone before us, who are now watching us from eternity, watching from the, the grave, cheering us on. It's almost like they're, they're leaning over the balcony of heaven, cheering for us, inspiring us to carry on the legacy that many of them had died creating. And I think 2,000 years later, as we read this, it can be just as true for us today. There are many of us here this morning, either here in the room or are watching us online this morning. And the reason you're here is because you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You've made that decision to put him first in your life. I know we have some who are here and you're still kind of checking things out. You're still trying to figure this stuff out for yourselves. And, but for a lot of us as followers of Jesus, I think this is just as true to us 2,000 years later as it was to those original readers. We're meeting here this morning because hundreds, thousands of people over the years have carried the torch, have, have carried on this legacy the church that we're a part of today, Connect Church. We may only be seven, almost eight years old, but we are standing on the shoulders of many churches that have gone before us, that have led to this place. Because throughout history, men and women have discovered that there is a God that loves them so much. And this message has been passed on from generation to generation. That because of God's love for us, he sent his son Jesus to die in our place. That, that you and I, through no fault of our own, we were born into a sinful, broken world. And that sin, that, that, those wrong things in their life, they, they've been like a barrier between us and a perfect God. And there was no way to ever break through that barrier because the only way to break through is by living a perfect lives ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I fell way short of that a long time ago. So God, in his immense love for us, sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live that perfect life, to die in our place so that our relationship with God could be restored. And that message has been communicated for hundreds, thousands of years now. Many people have made decisions to follow Jesus. They've gone before us. Those are the, the eyes that are upon us this morning. Those that have gone before us to, to bring us to this point today. But much like Patrick Mahomes, who's going to be out on that field tonight, how he dreamt one day he'd be there, now there are kids watching him and there are people coming on behind us who are now watching us. And we are setting the pace, we're setting the, the direction for the next generation that comes. So as followers of Jesus, how do we handle that responsibility? Well, there's a guy named Paul, and Paul wrote a large part of the New Testament. And he gives us a clue, I think, in one of the letters he wrote into what our responsibility, what our role is in this grand story that we see. You see, Paul wrote a couple of letters to a young man by the name of Timothy. And we're going to see just a short phrase that he said to this, this mentor, this, this, this person he was mentoring by the name of Timothy, that I think is going to help us. So a little bit of a backstory as to why Paul was even writing to Timothy. There was a church there in the New Testament in a city called Ephesus. It was a church that Paul himself had started. He'd gone to this city and this was after Jesus had lived and now Paul was kind of carrying on the torch and he was starting churches throughout the New Testament world. 
And he began this church in Ephesus and it grew rapidly. And uh, as it grew, local leadership within the church took over the, the leading of the church and Paul moved on to the next city and the next place to plant more churches. But unfortunately, as time went on, the leaders of this church in Ephesus, they kind of went off track a little bit. They started to teach some things that were really kind of moving them away from the, the original teachings of Jesus. And Paul got wind of this and he knew that something needed to be done, that some corrections needed to be made. And rather than go back there himself, he sent this disciple of his, this young man by the name of Timothy. He said, Timothy, I want you to go back there and I want you to help them get back on course. So off Timothy goes, and while he's there in Ephesus, Paul writes to him to give him some encouragement and some direction while he's there. And we get to read the letters that Paul wrote to Timothy. So let's look at one of the, the phrases in one of the letters that he wrote. It's in 1 Timothy 4, verses 11 and 12. Paul's writing to this young man. He says, Timothy, teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Because they're off base here a little bit. So it's up to you to teach these things and help to correct them in their thinking. And don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. No, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. I know we've got some parents in the room here this morning. Maybe you've been in that situation where uh, your kids were at school age and um, could have been grade school, middle school, high school, and, and you get wind of the fact that it's the fall and they're going back into school and there's a teacher they might be having. And you know this teacher. You're friends with this teacher. You went to high school with this teacher. Here in Washington, maybe that teacher taught you when you were a kid and now they're teaching your kids. Yeah. And you decide, you know, I'm going to try and see if my kid can get in that teacher's class. Or they're already in that class. You think, I'm going to just send that teacher a note just to kind of give them a heads up. Hey, you're going to have my son. You're going to have my daughter. Just to let you know, he's a little bit chatty. <laughs> Whatever it might be. Because you want to make sure that that teacher gets some insight into your child. Teachers in the room here, they're like, we love it when that happens. <laughs> but Paul doesn't do that. Paul who knew the leaders of the church in Ephesus, who very easily could have written directly to the leadership of the church and said, hey, this guy Timothy's coming. He's kind of young. So give him a break. Go easy on him. No, Paul doesn't write to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. Paul writes to Timothy. Paul puts the responsibility on Timothy's shoulders. He says, hey, Timothy, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. You've got a responsibility here. You've got to show them that your, your youthfulness doesn't work against you. And here's how you can do that. You can set an example. You can set an example to all the believers in the church of Ephesus in the following ways. In what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and your purity. And I think that applies as much to us today as Jesus followers as it did to Timothy back then that we are compelled to set an example in all we do. As we are inspiring the generation that comes on behind us, it's on us to set an example. To set an example in what we say, the way we live, in our love, in our faith, and in our purity. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Whether we like it or not, there are people looking on and they're looking to see who Jesus is and they're looking to see Jesus in us, reflected in our lives. So we have this responsibility to set that example. 
The world is watching. Your colleagues at work are watching. Your kids are watching. Your friends on social media are watching. People that aren't your friends on social media, they're watching. (laughs) People are watching. So, just real briefly here, let's look at those five things. How are we doing with our speech? When my kids were younger, um, there was kind of this battle because I wanted my kids to grow up talking like me. (laughs) I wanted it to just be like a little house full of Harry Potter, Hogwarts, you know, just children all speaking these brilliant English accents. Casey, on the other hand, she just wanted them to speak normally. So um, we have a video of Emma. She's my youngest daughter, and uh, she was maybe three years old, and she was just learning to speak. And uh, there's this video of Casey saying, hey, Emma, say water. And she would say water. And then I'd say, no, Emma, say water. And she'd go, water. <laughs> and then Casey would make her say hot. And then I'd say, no, say hot. And we've got this little cute video of Emma saying Hot. <laughs> Unfortunately, she speaks completely American now, but uh, there were times when she was a kid where she would play with toys and she had these little two, uh, boy and a girl, like a mummy and daddy, and the daddy spoke with an English accent and the mummy spoke with an American accent when they would talk to each other. So, so for a while we had her, but then she drifted. But you know, the truth is, whether we like to admit it or not, our kids will learn to speak the way we speak. Am I a negative person? Do I put people down? Am I critical? When I'm out and about in public, do I speak kindly to people? When I'm at a restaurant or in a store, do my kids witness me um, speaking nicely to others? Our, Our kids are watching. Our friends are watching. Our colleagues are watching. Our speech is a big part of who we are. It reflects Jesus in us. Our conduct or the way we live our lives We just finished a series called Ducks in a Row. There was five weeks, and uh, if you're new here this morning, if you're new watching online, you can actually go back and and watch that uh, series online. But the whole premise of the series was as we kicked off uh, 2021, we were challenging one another that maybe we want to live differently. Maybe this year, instead of being a reactive year, let's make it a proactive year. Let's put some things in place to live more proactively when it comes to our family and our time and our work and our faith and And the emphasis of that series was because we want to help to learn to live differently, to live better lives. But the reality is, it wasn't just for us. It was because others are looking on. And we set the example as followers of Jesus of the kind of life a Christ follower should live. Speech, conduct, love. Paul said to Timothy, set an example in love. What does that mean? You know, when I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the first four letters in the New Testament. They were written by guys who wanted to make sure that we have an account of the life of Jesus. So as you read those four books, you get to read about the life of Jesus. And there was a man who just exemplified love in what he taught. He taught a lot about love in the way he treated others. You could see this was a man who truly loved others. And in the ultimate end of the story, when he chose to go to a cross to die in our place, it was an, he didn't just talk in and live it out. He literally displayed love in that he gave up his life for us. And what's always interesting to me when I read the New Testament is you have Jesus, and then you also have this, this group of religious leaders at the time. They were the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And they were very vocal in the church to say, you know, this is why you are wrong. 
this is what the rules say and this is how you're breaking them and, and, and keep pre- preaching and teaching and very judgmental and they were very loud and very opinionated and, and it kind of turned people away from religion and from God. And then along comes Jesus and he didn't change the rules. In fact, in some situations, he made them even tougher. There's one time when Jesus is saying, hey, you know how in the Old Testament it says that it's wrong to commit murder? Well, I say, even if you think badly about somebody, it's like you're committing murder in your mind. Even that's wrong. So Jesus made it even harder. But he brought with it this balance of love and acceptance. And you discover that the outcasts of the day, the people that felt like uh, that everyone else was looking down their noses at them, they just felt loved and accepted by Jesus. Jesus modeled this amazing lifestyle of loving people. And I think that's what Paul was encouraging Timothy in here, saying, listen, we've seen it modeled in Jesus. Now it's up to us to model the love of Jesus with everyone that we interact with. I would say now more than ever in the, 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 the world in which we live with, the division, the disunity that seems to be coming from every different direction, that we as the church need to set the example of what love looks like from Jesus' perspective. We can set an example in what we say, in what we do, in how we love, and then finally in our faith and our purity, our relationship with Christ, our morality. These, these are things that Paul said, listen, people are watching. So set an example. Like I said, tonight we'll be watching a game and there'll be guys on the field who dreamt of one day being on that field. They probably watched I mean, I think they'll step out onto the field themselves tonight thinking of the heroes that they grew up cheering on. If I knew anything about football, I'd name some of those heroes. But you just think of people from like 20 years ago that were big football players. And now some of their, uh, those kids growing up are like, now I get to be whoever that guy is. They get to set that example. And there'll be others looking onto them. Because whether... We like to admit it or not, as followers of Jesus, we are setting an example. We are leaving a legacy. So what legacy are we leaving? What example are we setting to those around us? Because we're impacting lives whether we realize it or not. Last month, I actually asked the family if I could share this story and they gave me permission. Last month, I sadly had to do a funeral for the mom of a a family in our church. It was her mom who passed away, the, the kids. It was their grandma. Really difficult time because this, this death came suddenly. At the same time, the dad, he'd actually lost his dad just not too long before that. And I met right here to plan the funeral. They asked if I would lead the service and I met to plan the funeral with this mum who attends Connect. We were telling stories and she was picking songs to play in the service to celebrate the life of this great mum and grandma. And if you knew this mum, you'd know that she is just, just a fun lady She's always telling stories or posting stuff on Facebook about how she's just done this or done that and her kids are like rolling their eyes. They're like, mom, you're just so crazy. She's doing crazy things. And there's always something and her kids are like, my mom. And as we sat here talking about the service and what songs, I said, what songs do you think your mom would like to play? And we picked a couple and she goes, you know what else? I'm still standing by Elton John. I'm like, really? She goes, oh, she loved that song. She goes, I can remember as a kid when that song came out on the charts, sitting in my house and just watching her, the music cranked up so loud. She was just dancing around the living room to this song and just having a great time. She goes, I can remember as a kid watching, just rolling my eyes thinking, mom, you're so crazy. I said to her, 
you're now that crazy mum. She says, I know. (laughs) The legacy has carried on. We are impacting the generation that follows. We are impacting those around us. And I think tonight as we watch that game, just imagine those kids who are now growing up to live out their dream, that there are people who look to us. So we should set an example in what we say, the way we live, our love, our faith, and our purity. Because we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we get to look at the example ourselves of men and women who have gone on before us and have planted churches and built churches and been persecuted for their faith and in areas of the world where the church has come under attack, but still today here in Washington, Illinois, the church of Jesus goes strong because men and women have have blazed a trail, pioneered that trail. And Lord, this morning, we get to look over our shoulder at all who have gone before us, but we also get to look ahead, know that there will be others who come behind us. So help us to continue that legacy. Help us to continue on, Lord, setting that example in all we say, do, love, live, just every part of our lives. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you don't expect us to do that perfectly. You don't expect us to do that all in our own strength. You literally are like our teammate on the field, walking alongside us, encouraging us, picking us up when we get knocked down, encouraging us to go again. Lord, we draw on your encouragement and support and strength this morning and say, help us, help us to live the lives you've called us to live, to make a difference in our homes, in our communities, in our world. We ask this in Jesus' name.